Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 131 of Soundwave. I'm your host, Matt, and joining me, my co-host, Carlos. Yeah, I'm here. We're here. Uh, it's a new week. It's a new week. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a new week, I guess. I don't know. What else? Uh, yeah, we recorded uh, just last week. Yeah, we, we were a little behind, but it, it's all in the real time good for you, so there hasn't been much exciting news to happen in one week for us. Uh, did I go to a movie? I thought I went to a movie. Uh, I, I don't know what you do with your week. I, it, was, it, was on, it was on Monday. Uh, I went in the afternoon, and it was really good. Oh, War of the Planet of the Apes. I finally, oh, I finally went to go see I heard that. it was really good. Uh, yeah, it, all, all, it, there was nothing spectacular about the whole movie, but it was just really entertaining. And that's what I felt about every single one of these reboots of the Planet of the Apes. Like I love the continuation of everything. They're doing a really good job with it. Uh, yeah, but nothing like super spectacular, but just really fun, really Really entertaining. Uh, I'd recommend it. Otherwise, yeah, just another work week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Arcade Fire's new album dropped. I have one of those and one thing that I've been listening to. I listened to it fully while I was cleaning the bar last night when I was closing. It's pretty good. Yeah, I picked it up like just a couple hours ago, and I just haven't sat around and watched, listened to it. I mean, I hope they bring out music videos for the rest of the songs, just because that'd be cool if you had like a feature length album type thing. I did like that looking for signs of life video. Yeah, it's fun. Like there isn't a lot to it, but it's just really fun. Yeah, uh, this is like weird. Yeah, the uh, I they release they definitely released the f- best songs, but I mean at the same time we both agree that Creature Comfort was kind of like meh when we first heard it, yeah. and now we both really like it. So I have a feeling that's going to be how it is for the rest of the album for me. But uh, yeah, it's it, not, it didn't blow me away when I was cleaning last night, but it was good. Uh, what about you? Anything? Uh, not. I don't know. I didn't really do a whole lot this uh, last week. No. I. Uh, Getting closer and closer to your end date. That's what you're doing. Yeah, uh, April 18th is my last day at work. August 18th. April. I. I keep. This is not the first time I've done this. <laughs> I, I've been thinking all day. Like I was thinking. Yeah, it's a little while until April 18th. Like no, it's August 18th, and I don't know. Like I just. I've been. Do- it's all day. All day. I just think April. I hope I didn't tell uh, my boss that uh, <laughs> you're going to be there until April 18th. <laughs> uh, I think they'd understand that you screwed up on that. That'd be weird because that'd be a really far out date to actually know. Like, oh, that he'll oh be you're done. not. You're not leaving until uh, <laughs> next year. Next year. All right. I think we can work with that. Uh, but uh, yeah. Otherwise, nothing too interesting going on. Uh, what have you been listening to? Uh, let's see. Oh, uh, so. I had to listen to Cage the Elephant's uh, self-titled debut album like years ago. Mm-hmm. Like I've heard all the songs over and over again. Uh, it turns out though that I didn't actually uh, buy a copy of it. Oh, okay. So like I didn't have a copy because uh, like the other a couple of days ago, it's like you know I kind of just want to listen to some Cage the Elephant like playing in the background while I'm playing some video games and like I didn't find the album. It's like oh I forgot I did not buy it. So picked up a copy and like just sat down and listened to it and. So uh, here's a in one ear off of it. So it's 2010, it looks like? Yeah. Okay. One ear, 
Yeah. Uh, I really like that album. Uh, that's a good one off there. There's a bunch of other good songs on that album. Did that one have their biggest hit on there or whatever? I know they have a bunch uh, of I'm big trying to remember now. which one it was. Uh, I know what you're talking about, yeah. but yeah. Uh, do you like their new cover song that they released and it's being played everywhere? Uh, uh, what song? The uh, Reckless Eric cover. Um, it's been, what the hell is it called? Uh, Cage the Elephant's new song. Because I'm, uh, I don't know, the last one I heard was like a. It was like, Doctor, tell me. I don't know. It went something like that. Like, the Whole Wide World. That's what it is. It's a Reckless Eric cover from the 1970s, I think. But uh, here, here it is. Nobody's talking about you. I got the whole wide world. Yeah, I uh, did hear that one. I didn't know that was Cage the Elephant, but yeah. Yeah, it doesn't sound like, like it. at all like him. It does sound exactly like uh, their, uh, the actual original version of it, which I was confused when I was like, oh, they're playing Reckless Eric on the current. <laughs> if it can load. Oh, I've definitely heard that one. Not as raw as that yeah. one is, but he still puts on They're that, both good. that kind yeah. of accent, the British accent kind of he puts on it. But yeah, so that's the original version of that. Uh, I, I, there's a lot of songs from Cage the Elephant I like, so like I don't know, I kind of this I only ever listened to like one album of theirs all the way through, and that was the first one. Yeah. So I don't know, I kind of want to listen to some of the other ones down. Like I know uh, Shake Me Down's a great song. I don't mm-hmm. know how the rest of that album turned out. Yeah, I was really surprised at how big of a following there was at Bonnaroo for them. Like, I did not know how big they actually were until that. And I was like, well, all right, all right. Uh, like I said, Arcade Fire's new album. Here is one of the songs that I kind of enjoyed from it last night. Uh, it's called Put Your Money on Me. I think one of the things I'm disappointed about with the new album is there's the intro and outro. So there's two songs, both about a minute long, and it's just like different versions of everything now, like an introduction to everything now and then the end of it. And then in the middle, there's infinite content and infinite underscore content, and both of those is about a minute long. Well, isn't there like only like 11 or 12 songs on it? And so, like I think there's 13 the, altogether or something. And there's an intro and outro, like there's just and then the one two song. intermission songs or whatever, and those are about a minute and a half, and one's a fast paced version of the slow version. And I mean, of the I paid one. $11 for it. Like yeah. That, so I mean. yeah. So th- that's the only part I was a little disappointed. Like, they're all really cool songs on there, but it was like, I want a little bit more meat. And then, like, that kind of I'm pretty hap- sure I paid about the same for, like, my Radiohead album I talked about last episode. Yeah. And, like, that had a shit ton of songs. Yeah, that's like 20 some songs. 
But uh, and that was kind of the same way with the last album too, Reflector. They're like, oh my god, it's a double album. But then you get the album, and it's only like nine nine songs on one and nine songs on the other. When normally you think of a double album, you got thirteen, thirteen, or yeah, sixteen, thirteen, or something. So yeah, it wasn't. There was like six and eight or something on each side. I don't know. But uh, so it wasn't a true double album. But either way, I still love these guys. They're good. And uh, to lead us into the weekly news, I this is another song I've just randomly been listening to. Uh, again, going back in time, kind of. Uh, it's Smokey Robinson. I second that emotion. If you come down to Emma's and play this song, you'll probably see me dancing behind the bar. So there you go. And so it makes you wise to break the rule. Welcome to the weekly news. Uh, there isn't a whole lot going on in one week, but we got Paul McCartney joining Ringo Starr. We announced that for Ringo's new album that he actually got Paul McCartney to join him. Uh, what is the song actually called? The song is called We're on the Road Again. And along with Paul McCartney, he's got uh, the Eagles' Joe Walsh. They got Toto's Steve Luckather and uh, Edgar Winter all on the track, too. So uh, here is a little sample of that. It's your pretty standard old guy rock music, you know? Yeah. Like classic artists bringing out new music. That's pretty standard right there. Uh, cool that Paul McCartney came back on with him again. You can't, I don't know if he's singing along with him there or what, but yeah. Uh, Quincy Jones uh, was finally awarded $9.4 million in Michael Jackson royalties trial. Um, he is the main producer behind a bunch of Michael Jackson's big hits. Uh, and yeah, I guess he was attempting to prove that he was denied $30 million in royalties and he sued in 2013 claiming that in addition to being owed significant money in royalties, he was also denied the right to remix the music he created with Michael Jackson. The lawsuit covered royalties from Off the Wall, Thriller, Bad, and This Is It. Also the soundtrack to two Cirque du Soleil shows. So he was, uh... Uh, suing the Jackson estate, actually, to try and get some of that money. So he got $9 million instead of the $30 million. Did he get the rights to remix his songs? Doesn't say anything about that. It looks like they just settled on that at the moment. But uh, yeah, that would be really tough, knowing that you actually made this music with Michael Jackson and everything. You, well, I mean, like yeah. we were just talking about him yeah. on like a previous episode about like how like he had all the Beatles songs. Yeah, right. Or, like a bunch uh, right? of them, at least. Yeah, and then Don So, I mean, Palmer. I'm pretty sure like he seemed to have... Uh, I guess his family hold, right. held those rights pretty close to the chest. So, yeah, and then who? Well, it's probably I don't know who runs the Jackson estate right now or anything, but yeah, it's got to be a clusterfuck. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, Netflix has ordered a new series from the Simpson and Futurama creator uh, Matt Groening. Uh, Abby Jacobson of Broad City will voice one of the main characters. Uh, Eric Andre and Nate Faxon are also in the cast. It's entitled Disenchantment. 
Uh, an animated comedy is described as an adult fantasy about a crumbling medieval kingdom known as Dreamland. The show follows the adventures of a hard-drinking princess Bean, her elf companion Elfo, and uh, her personal demon Lucci. Uh, or Lucy, Lucci, I don't know. Uh, it's set to air two 10-episode batches with a premiere targeted for next year. Whoa, two 10-episode batches, yeah, I guess huh? so. Well, I'm glad that he's like doing something that's not The Simpsons, really. right? Right, right. And uh, yeah, I was, I was, that's something I was always bummed about that Futurama got canceled and fucking Family Guy's still making new episodes. Yeah. Type thing. Like, I just like the cleverness and science and smartness there of Futurama. There were a lot of fantastic bits in like yeah. Futurama. Yeah. Just pr- everything, the storylines, and then all you get is fucking flashbacks and fark jokes with Family Guy. Like, you know, the, uh, you know, the episode like where they're like able to like switch their minds and like they have to figure out a way to switch everybody. Like, they only switch a person's mind once before like they can't switch them back. So they had to come up with a way to like chain people switching brains <laughs> until like they all were all back in their own original oh, bodies. God, I love And they had somebody de- like had to devise like a math mathematically come up with like, a solution to the problem. <laughs> God, yeah, Futurama, it was just so smart. They it had, was just so great. They had brilliant people on uh, staff, like yeah. people who actually like went to school for math and stuff. I that's why I'm I'm intrigued to see what what this will how this is going to work. Yeah. Just get them out of the stagnating gonna... for years. Yeah. I can't believe there are still new episodes of The Simpsons coming out too. Like that just fascinates me. How do you, yeah, I don't know. But uh, yeah, South South Park starts up again in September-ish, doesn't it? I still I didn't give, even watch last year's. Last so. season there was focused too much on the election, so that was annoying. But oh, it, I think I may have saw on the f- a f- couple of them, but like yeah. it's like uh, I don't know. Mr. Garrison was, like, was Trump, and yeah. then yeah. But uh, the only thing that was great about that was the member berries. I remember. Otherwise, yeah, that's about it. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, they uh, they definitely said they're just dropping everything that happened last season and starting from fresh because they don't want to deal with any of the Trump shit anymore. I guess, which is good. It's just wearing. Yeah, yeah. Nobody wants to deal with that shit anymore. Uh, Tears for Fears have postponed the remaining dates on their U.S. tour due to family emergency. Uh, three of those dates were part of the co-headlining tour with All Hall and Oates, uh, which kicked off in May. According to the statement from the band, they're planning to reschedule each canceled date. Uh, yeah. Doesn't that just make you want to shout? Shout. Yeah. Let it out. Yep. <laughs> if, I, if I did have tickets to that one, I'd be shouting. Uh, oh, that's what I forgot. I went to Roger Waters two nights ago. Yeah? Of uh, Pink Floyd. Uh, that was cool. Uh, he did the giant laser pyramid. Uh, right. over the first half of the crowd. And I was in the first half of the crowd, so I just saw the inside of the pyramid. So then I left the crowd because I knew there was only like one song left and went to the top and took some pictures of it. It was pretty cool. And then also on the cover of the Animals album, there's the Battersea Park, which is one of the main reasons why I went to London back in 2007 or whatever to go see that thing. It's the four smokestack thing with the pig flying above it. You've probably seen the picture at least one time in your life. Maybe. Yeah. But it's it just... used to be like the main power plant for all of London or whatever. And, uh, yeah, so they put the pig flying up there and took a picture of it for the right. Animals album. But uh, they built that thing basically in drop-down. Uh, it's like uh, projector screens, so, like, two sides of it, like, facing both sides of the arena, going from one end to the front of the arena. And it was uh, smokestacks and stuff on the front and back, and then they projected lights and shit on it. It's pretty insane. I was that was like, what are those little boxes gonna do later on in the show? And then all of a sudden they started coming down in the second half. And I'm like, holy shit! <laughs> it goes way back there. So I got some cool videos and stuff of that. That was really cool. It was fun. I enjoyed it. Roger Waters. Yep. Um, Tegan and Sarah have announced the Con X covers. 
Um, they announced a 10-year anniversary tour behind their new, their old, their 10-year-old album, The Con. Uh, and exactly 10 years ago, I think a couple days ago, they announced the Con X covers, which features 14 artists covering each of the album's tracks. Uh, all proceeds will be donated to the Tegan and Sarah Foundation, their organization, organization that supports economic justice, health, and representation for LGBTQ girls and women. Uh doesn't have the list of artists announced yet, so I'm kind of intrigued to see who's going to be on that. I don't know. Tegan and Sarah, you guys are fun. Um, I think I got one more here, do I? Oh, yeah, this is just for fun. Uh, Rock the Garden happened, uh, I think, last weekend in Minneapolis. Uh, I haven't gone since 2011, maybe, 2012, but this year they had The Revolution and Justin Vernon and... I can't remember any of the other bands right now. Jeff Tweedy, I think. Uh, but Bon Iver joined The Revolution, Prince's main backup band, on stage to sing the amazing song, Erotic City. So uh, here's a little sample of that. It's not the best quality because it's just a cell phone at a show. But Bonnie Vare could cover Prince. Sounds just like him. <laughs> um, yeah. Any news that you know of? No, I do not have any music news. Any, any music news. Welcome to the weekly theme. <laughs> Our theme this week was uh, music trivia. Yeah. Uh, this is a clever uh, one I never thought of doing before, but it was like basically talking about just certain songs and like a trivia we know about those songs, kind of, right? Yeah. 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 I, I, I thought it was fun. It's always That's nice cool. to like learn a little something about like the music that you listen to. I didn't have the patience to scroll through my, my entire music library because I knew I know more. So I just looked up the last one that I was like, okay, that works. But uh, four of them I got for sure. Uh, would you like to start this out, sir? Sure, I could do that. So I'm going to start off with Under the Bridge from Red Hot Chili Peppers. Do you want me to... Uh, yeah, that's a very good question. Then just start playing the music. Okay. I oh, don't know. What did I do now? Oh. <laughs> There's nobody out there. It's hard to believe that I'm all alone. That's 
sorry, I read a comment on there, and it says, how serious is this song? Flea put on a shirt. That's how serious this song is. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> All right, what's the meaning behind this song? So, uh, Under the Bridge was written by the vocalist uh, Anthony Kiedis. I don't Kiedis. know. Kiedis. He wrote the song during a time when he felt distanced from the rest of the members of the band due to his sobriety, because, like, the other ones would, like, be smoking pod and, like, I don't know, they, they just, like... That too, I'm sure. It was heroin. But like uh, one of the references, like was like when he was like they just go out and smoke pot, and like he uh. just felt disconnected from them. But and his like feelings of alienation led him to feel that the city of Los Angeles was his only companion. And it uh, it should be noted though that like his feelings, like even though he felt those emotions, he uh, still felt his life was better without drugs because he was sober for three years at this point. And like it's just like I don't know, like he had talked in an interview like how like he was glad that he was still sober even through going through that and uh like there's like the core it comes on the course like is uh i don't ever want to feel like i did that day taking the place i love and like that place being like his bandmates friends and family so nice yeah. uh also fun fact he his babysitter was Cher. oh really that's in his autobiography oh, that's cool <laughs> uh my first one is the beatles and it's a song all you need is love uh, what you might not know, in the background, the backup singers are Mick Jagger, uh, Eric Clapton, and Keith Moon of The Who. They were all at the studio when they were recording yeah. that, so they were like, hey, you want to come and sing? So yeah, that, that's, that's that. And uh, there was no actual version of the song that I could find online, so there's this one from some show somewhere. just looks so bored whenever he's playing on the drums <laughs> all right what you got uh oh i i think there's like a joke or like about like how uh they're all the beatles are like being interviewed and like they ask one of them, i think it was ringo they ask like why he's why he never smiles and he goes i am smiling <laughs> that sounds about right oh god uh, uh so my next song is baker street from jerry rafferty and it's well i mean besides being named after baker street in london it's also his first release after uh, the dissolution of his previous band, Steeler's Wheel. And the, it was a couple years, it was uh, three years after they broke up that he still couldn't release any songs because Steeler's Wheel had contractual recording obligations. Wow. So for three years, like he, he had nothing to do. Except for write except this, like talk write to lawyers, this, this big hit, and just, not except he'd be going it. back and forth between cities, like to go wow. talk to the lawyers, and like he he had a friend's place that was on Baker Street that he'd like crash at, and like they'd rock with each other with guitars. Who, and, like, what was his original band? Uh, Steelers Wheel. Steelers Wheel. You've heard some of their stuff before, probably. Uh, I'm tr- I'm drawing a blank, but I've, I know I've okay. heard a bunch of their stuff. Uh, so like basically. Uh, he wrote the. It's like it kind of cop, uh, the song kind of covers some of those feelings that he felt like how like a uh, just kind of being kind of trapped and like it ends with the and some of the last lines are like when you wake up it's a new morning the sun is shining it's a new morning and like you're going home and like it's just like he's it's finally because that's he's finally free 
of all that fucking lawyer shit, and like he can release music again. Yeah, yeah, it does sound like just a, a blast of freedom, especially yeah. that saxophone and everything in there. So uh, Baker Street, yeah, Gary Rafferty. He's got this dream about buying some land. He's gonna give up the booze and the one night stands, and then he'll settle down in some quiet little town and forget about everything. But you know he'll always keep moving. You know he's never gonna stop moving. Cause he's rolling. He's the rolling stone. When you wake up, it's a new morning. The sun is shining, it's a new time for the sax oh but the sax are the greatest the greatest i know Uh, there's one more thing i want to add uh, is that uh his daughter martha has has gone on and said that the there was a book that helped inspire the song too it's uh the outsider which i'm sure i don't know if you had to read that one in school maybe oh you don't oh i didn't read many of the books they made Uh, it's uh written by con wilson they did a movie version of it like i remember oh okay yes it's like the one where like it's a bunch of like street kids and uh i I know exactly so uh just because uh it just uh was born of like the alienation and creative it's a just uh explores like the alienation and creativity born out of longing to be connected so yes uh my next one is you know the song when the levee breaks by led zeppelin yeah uh to get those amazing drum sounds in in the very beginning of that uh i'll just read what it says here according to producer andy johns uh, he and john bonham set up a new drum set in the grange's hallway which doubled as the house's central stairwell climbing three stories above their heads hanging two stereo mics above the kit one about 10 feet from it and the other about 20 John then ran the drums into two channels on the desk and uh, had an echo unit out. So basically they caught this sound of an epic drum inside their foyer in this, the <laughs> chateau that they were, they were in at the time for recording the song, for the recording the album. So uh, here is that, that drum intro. You can hear those echoes. That's all I want to play of that song because <laughs> Led Zeppelin. <laughs> all right, uh, my next song is "Lump" from the Presidents of the United States of America. Now, the reason I'm talking about them is uh, the Presidents of the United States of America, which is a mouthful, is made up of three people, and that's not the strange part, though. Of the three people, only the drummer, however, plays a traditional instrument. Oh, uh, of the th- of the other two, uh, the band leader uh, Chris Bello plays a bass guitar. I'm, I don't know if I'm saying that right. It's a guitar with two bass strings. Bass. And uh, bass. Well, maybe they should spell it differently then. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, and the other front man, uh, Andrew McKig, when the, who was the other guy when uh, the band called it quits, played a git bass, which is a guitar with only three strings. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And uh, the reason I chose a lump in particular is because uh, 
when Weird Al went on to parody Lump for with his song Gump about yeah. Forrest Gump, uh, he played a one-stringed ba- uh, bass, and his guitarist used a two-stringed guitar. That's funny. <laughs> that's good. All right, I get it now. Anything else? No, that's <laughs> all. <right. laughs> Now that you'd say that, you can definitely hear just the bass over drone on everything <laughs> in there. That's funny. All right. Uh, I also had to talk about microphones again because it's David Bowie and this is Heroes. But uh, I'll read this one as well. Uh, David Bowie standing in this enormous stadium. Every time he sang, you could he could sing very loud. His voice was echoing off the walls and the ceiling and everything. I said, could you give me a half an hour? to? I just want to set up some microphones. So I set up a Newman U47 in the front of him, and then about 15, 20 feet away, I set up something like a 67. Then all the way at the other end of the hall, the hall I set up a condenser microphone. So in the vocals on Heroes, he's singing in a giant stadium, and there's three different microphones in that stadium to capture the echoes going on in there. And uh, I always that one just always stuck with me, and just a natural echo, how to catch that instead of computerized everything nowadays. So uh, here is that. That song, yeah. Nope. All right, what you got? So my next one is uh, the song is "Every Breath You Take" from the Police. Now, at first glance, like if you're not paying too much attention to the lyrics, like it's it seems it's a seemingly romantic song, and then you look a little closer, and it's obvious that's a song from the perspective of of an obsessed stalker. Yep. Uh, but that's not the bit of trivia for today. It turns out that Sting was a little taken back with how popular this obsession song was from his time in the police. Like it was like the most popular one from his time. So uh, he went on to write a counter song, like when he was by himself, called "If You Love Somebody, Set Them Free," but it doesn't sound as great as "Every Breath You Take." No, though, not so. At all. <laughs> so basically, they wrote this song and he was pissed off at how popular it was and how. Well, because it's, well, it's just because like it's a song about like uh, it's yeah. pretty. And then so he, up, he so retaliated like... by writing another song. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. So every breath you take. Beautiful sounding song. Yeah. Except for. Yeah. 
song is like the epitome of the eighties. Like yeah, the sound really and everything. It, like that just if you ever want to be like, what how do you describe the eighties? Just play that. Like Yeah, the, basically like even in the nineties when I heard the song, this sounds like it's from the eighties. Yep. Yeah, it's definitely radio friendly, that exact sound that you heard everywhere. I personally love the police, but yeah, that one is yeah, definitely just the epitome of the eighties. Uh my next one is Dark Side of the Moon it's in just as a whole. And I'll play one of the songs off of it. But it is fascinating at how popular this album was. Uh, overall, I think it is the number one most charted album. It spent 917 weeks on the charts from 1973 to now, basically. Altogether, that's how long it's been in the charts. And then consecutively, it's 741 weeks that it's been on the charts. And when it first got released, it was number one for that whole entire week. Otherwise, it sat on the charts from 1973 to 1988. And that is 741 weeks. Wow. And that, yeah, that's pretty amazing for when, like, you talk about Pink Floyd, people are. Is it a specific chart uh, for Billboard charts? So I wonder, like, if they, when, like, the, I know the Billboard, like, would it'd be re- like still the, releases, like, their, like, top 100, yeah. like, chart, or they did. So it'd been on the 100, I think, So, the like, top for, so for several compilations of, like, the top 100, this song would have been on there? No, this album, the whole oh, album. Oh, the album was, Yeah, right. so album sales. It sold a total of 45 million copies. And, uh, yeah, that's LPs and tapes for that time, because CDs weren't really thin. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that just fascinates me, because... When you think of Pink Floyd, you know money for sure, and then you think of time, and then everything from the wall. But like, as an album as a whole, like I don't, not too many people talk about Pink Floyd that I know of. Like I personally am obsessed with them. I know my parents hate them, and then I don't. They're just a band that's always been there. But to, for this al- album to be number one or on the charts for that long just fascinates me. So uh, I'll play a track off there, and it is Brain Dead slash Eclipse. It's the ending of the album, and uh, this is when the pyramid uh, prism came up at the show, the laser pyramid that I saw the other day. And every day the paper boy brings more surround sound things at the show so it was like a laugh coming in the back of the arena over there <laughs> then like up over there it was, that was cool yeah that i was, like that bit in that song though like the lunatics in my head and like yep. hit the laughing yeah oh uh what mama there's an airplane up in the sky that part from the wall uh that's actually roger waters two-year-old son saying that in the oh, wall. Yeah. Yep. I was looking up some trivia while there was intermission at the show <laughs> uh what you got all right, so my final song is 99 Red Balloons from Nina, or 99 Luft Balloons in German. And why? So, <laughs> despite its rather cheerful and silly tone, it's actually about a nuclear holocaust. And, oh. and uh, so basically in the English version, a nuclear bombardment is started by the 99 Red Balloons being seen on radar and mistaken for a threat. Are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Never listened to the lyrics before in my life. Like, and, and like some, I, I don't have the like, glass lines on here, but like yeah. basically, I, it's, it's in the clip. 
But uh, and also uh, the original German version is a little bit different with the balloons being mistaken for UFOs and then pilots being sent in to investigate who see that they're just balloons. And then they put a show on and shoot the balloons down and the display of force then unsettles the neighbors, nations along the borders, which then leads to a devastating 99 year war. <laughs> oh, my God. I didn't know Nina was so depressed. <laughs> it was wow. the middle of the Cold War. I am very happy. <laughs> Uh, the joy of being an 80s kid waiting for the nuclear holocaust is one of the comments. <laughs> <laughs> All right, geez. That's so cheery. 99 nights off the air, super high tech jet fighters. Everyone's a superhero. Everyone's a Captain Kirk with orders to identify, to clarify and classify. Yeah, it's a little bit darker. It's a little bit darker than you would have thought that I originally thought. So is everybody a Superman and a Captain Kirk? No, Because they have superpowers now because of the nuclear... No, they're just dead. Oh, okay. All right. They're just regular old dead. (laughs) They're just regular old dead. (laughs) Uh, My final one is by the Bangles. It's uh, Manic Monday. Uh, Prince wrote this song. Really? He sent it to them in the summer of 85 and uh, was like, hey, record this song. And they did. And it became the number catchy, one hit. It's too I tell you that. I know, right? So, uh, I don't like it to be stuck in my head, but it gets stuck in my head There sometimes. are a lot of uh, songs that were written by Prince that I did not know. But uh, yeah, so here is uh, Manic Monday. These are the days when you wish your bed was already You know, nothing against the Bengals, but I kind of do want to hear like Prince uh, perf- uh, version performed by yeah, Prince. Yeah, I don't know how that would sound because... Yeah, it's because like it would be different. It, I feel it'd be darker and funkier. Yeah, a little bit. Like not a whole lot darker. It'd be like, Sunday's my fun day, but I have to go to work on Monday, so it'd be more depressing. This is just fun and bubbly for some reason. Even. I don't know. Like, I, I don't really see him as that dark just because like yeah. I, I remember the 1989 True. Batman with... Uh, True. Just because like there's a whole Bat fucking... Dance. Well, I mean, yeah, well... That was older. Bat Dance was older. 
Yep. But uh, just because uh, there's the, the it's, I'm talking about the one with Michael Keaton in it. Yeah, that's and there's a dance. whole fucking no that the bat dance is from Adam West's Batman. No, he has like does the no. There's actually a song called the Bat Dance. Oh yeah, on yeah. Prince's album. I'm sorry, I thought you were talking movie. about Batman dancing because no, that's no, no. Yeah, but like there's actually like a basically a full length Prince mu- music video in the middle of the film. Mm-hmm. So, yep, he did the whole entire album, which is weird to think about. Uh, I don't know why Tim Burton chose that, but it did happen. That that song gets played at the bar every now and then. Yeah. All right. Uh, I don't have my InDesign open, so uh, we'll just uh, wing it. Thank you for joining us on this week's episode of Soundwave. New episodes are released every other Thursday. Uh, the theme for our next show is... Uh, I don't think we've done fantasy, song, fantasy songs, have we? Like world, like songs like about fantasy topics, stuff like that? Uh, we've kind of, but not exactly fantasy description. We've done like sci-fi and stuff. Yeah. And stuff. So like uh, more like Lord of the Rings ish stuff or like it could be like a Led Zeppelin or a Rush type thing. As yeah. long as it's not uh, David Bowie's song about that fucking gnome. Fuck that song. Oh, the laughing gnome. Ha ha ha. So <laughs> terrible. <laughs> All right. So uh, the theme for our next show will be fantasy songs. Uh, where do I go next on my in my interview? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you don't have that. I always read it. Read it out, out loud. Uh, for more information about our other shows, go like us on Facebook at Blind Ninja Studios. Or you can follow us on Twitter so you never miss a beat. Uh, what do you got over there? Oh, I was oh, I thought like you didn't have. <laughs> I thought your, like, you were gonna read something. <laughs> no, like I just have my like list of things that like the clo- to close the show out because I thought that's what you didn't have. No, I, I have my own thing. Oh, right. Yeah. What 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 list do you have over there? What would oh, you it's list? not a lot. Di- <laughs> so it's basically uh, if you want to support this or any of our several other podcasts, please consider a small reoccurring reoccurring donation on our Blind Ninja Studios Patreon. Every little bit helps, or do your shopping on Amazon through our Amazon affiliate link at no extra cost to you. Both links are at our site, blindninjastudios.com. Oh, that was beautiful, Carlos. Thank you. Uh, also, an announcement, we are going to be doing Mario Kart on BNS Plays on August 5th, which I'm really excited about. Carlos, who are you going to be? Luigi. You're Luigi. Who's Casey going to be? I have no idea. War- War- I, he'd probably be Donkey Kong. What'd you say? Wario. Wario? I'm with, I think I'm going to be Yoshi, and I don't know. Peter was thinking uh, Toad, I think, or somebody. I don't know for sure. There's so, a, well, there's like a, I think it's Double Dash is the one on the GameCube, and like you get two racers. So oh. it's going to be Luigi and Baby Luigi. Oh. I'm going to play as. Because, you know, if you kill me, you're going to wipe out both timelines. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, so that will happen on August 5th at 8 p.m. Central, and you should come and join in the fun because we'll be drinking and having a blast and playing all the Mario Kart games. So that is that. Uh, anything else coming out? No. All right. Well, we'll see you again in two weeks. Bye-bye.